This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. There was a young preacher who was going to be performing a wedding ceremony. As a matter of fact, his first one. He really didn't know what to do, so he went to an older preacher for advice. And the older preacher told him, Son, memorize the ceremony. And the young man said, Well, that sounds good, but what if I were to forget something while I'm in the midst of that ceremony? He said, Well, just quote a scripture, the first one that comes to your mind, and no one will know the difference. So it came time for the wedding, and the ceremony began, and and about halfway into his memorized speech for this wedding ceremony, his mind went blank. And he remembered the advice, quote a scripture. And the only one he could remember was this, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I think that scripture was a little out of place, don't you? But the God gave us the ability to remember. What a blessing it is indeed. And today... We're going to be talking about remembering God. Isn't that a marvelous thing to do, to be able to remember God? And so stay tuned to Getting to Know Your Bible as we study that topic together today. I'm Billy Lambert, and I want to welcome you to our telecast today. And today on Getting to Know Your Bible, we are offering a free Bible correspondence course. I emphasize the word free. Free. It is absolutely free. We do not charge for anything we offer on getting to know your Bible. And we want you to have this course in order that you might know more about the course that you have and how you receive the course or take the course. Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I want to read now from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 11, beginning in verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth. And walk in the ways of thine heart and the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Therefore remove sorrow from thy heart, and put away evil from thy flesh. For childhood and youth are vanity." Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. These are words from Solomon, the wise man of the Old Testament. You know, there's no one that ever ran the garment of human experience more than did Solomon. Solomon was a king. He was a son of a king. And Solomon was a wise man. He asked God for, to give him an understanding heart, and God gave him wisdom. Now, when we read these words, Solomon is at the end of his life. 
an illustrious life. And now he's looking back on his life. And as he looks back on his life, he has advice for all of those that are willing to listen. And it seems as though his advice is sort of slanted toward youth, to young people. But, but the advice that Solomon gives is good for us all. And there's a way that I think about these passages and the way that we are going to talk about it today is in remembering God that God has three R's. And we're going to think about those three things that are in this text today as we study remembering God. But first of all, there is the word rejoice. Rejoice. He said, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. You know, youth ought to be the happiest time of life. And, and it should be, but sometimes it is not the happiest time of life. That sometimes there are young people that lose their zest for life. And they get to the point they're not willing to go on with life. But, but let me say, if there are young people watching, getting to know your Bible right now, young people, there's, a, there's an alternative. There's an alternative to termination. There's an alternative to, to losing your zest for life. And that's having a reason to live. And he says, rejoice in your youth. And you can be happy in the days of your youth. Happiness is found in a specific place. And happiness for you and for me and for all is found in Jesus. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4 and in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord. And he wanted to emphasize it. So he said, and again, I say rejoice. So you see, rejoicing or a life of happiness and a life of joy, a life of going about with a heart filled, bubbling over with joy and happiness is to be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. But how does that happen? How, how does an individual get to the point that they're able to rejoice in Jesus Christ? Have you ever heard of the word salvation? Salvation is an interesting word in the Bible. And the end result of salvation has always been joy or rejoicing. In the Old Testament, we read about that, about that in Psalms chapter 51. David is praying to God about his sins, and he's asking God to cleanse him and to make him whole again. And he says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. It seems as though David had lost the joy. It may be some of you watching right now have lost the joy of salvation. Maybe at one time you were happy in Christ. You were happy with your life. But now some way, for some reason, you have lost that happiness. But there is a happiness that can be had in Jesus Christ. There's so much unhappiness in our world today. A man went to see a doctor. And, and the doctor said, well, what's your problem? He says, well, I'm, I'm so depressed. I'm so despondent. And he said, I don't know what to do. And the doctor said, well, he said, I want to try something a little unusual. 
And he said, there's a circus in town, and they tell me that the circus has a clown that performs to the point that he can make even the most depressed and despondent person laugh. And he said, I want you to go and see him perform. And the man said, Doctor, you don't understand. I am that clown. There are a lot of people who are not getting the most out of life. And the most out of life is only to be found with your relationship with Jesus Christ. In John chapter 10 and verse 10, Jesus is said that to come in the world that we might have life, that we might have it more abundantly. And Jesus is the one that gives us a reason to live. Salvation gives you a reason to live. In the 8th chapter of Acts, we read about a man by the, that is called Philip. He was an evangelist. And he had been evangelizing in Samaria. And now he's called to go and to join up with a man who had been to Jerusalem to worship. And he was on his way back home to Ethiopia. And, and he came to the chariot side of the man and he found him reading out of Old Testament Scripture, reading from Isaiah. And the way our English Bible had divided, it was the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. And Philip asked this man the question, do you understand what you're reading? He said, well, how am I going to understand unless someone guides me? And so he began at the same scripture this man was reading out of Isaiah 53, and he preached unto him Jesus. Now think about the subject, Jesus. Jesus. Our world needs a message about Jesus today. And so as they went on their way, they came to a certain water, and the man from Ethiopia said, Here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip the evangelist said, Well, you can if you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so the man made this acknowledgement, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And the Bible says they went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away that the eunuch saw him no more. And he, the eunuch, the man who had been baptized, went on his way doing what? Rejoicing. Rejoicing comes as a result of having a relationship with Jesus Christ, being in Christ, having your sins washed away. So number one, rejoice, rejoice. And then the second word is the word remove. He said, therefore, remove sorrow from your heart. There are many things that bring sorrow into our lives. Whatever it is causing sorrow or discomfort or pain or struggle must be removed. Just suppose you go to the doctor, and the doctor says, Well, upon examination, I have found your problem. You have a tumor. I have a brother-in-law who had a tumor one time, and the doctor said it was as large as a cantaloupe. It was a huge tumor, and that was a source of his problem. Suppose the doctor says, Well, now I have found the source of your problem. You have a tumor. And I can remove that tumor, and you're going to be okay. Now, what would you think about a person in a situation like that? And they said, well, you know, I've got this tumor, and it's, and it's as big as the one Brother Lambert talked about. It's as big as a cantaloupe. And 
But you know, I, I think I'll just get along uh, fine without having taken that, the tumor out. You know, that's not sensible logic. Is That's just not sensible thinking. If you have a tumor, and that tumor can kill you, and the doctor says, I can remove the tumor and you can live, isn't it in the interest of your good health to remove it? Of course it is. Of course it is in the interest of your good health to remove it. And the Bible says that we are to remove those things that become snares to our souls. See, anything that would cause you to be out of relationship with God, out of relationship with Jesus Christ, out of fellowship with the Godhead, is something that you need to remove from your life. In a word, you have to remove the sin from your life. Therefore, remove sorrow from your heart. Put away evil from your flesh. Whatever it is that's evil in your life has to be, it has to go. It has to be removed. And sometimes a removal of something in our physical body can be painful. If, you have to, if you've ever had a surgery of any kind, it's not without some discomfort. That surgery is not without pain. But... The end result is, is good. The end result is that you get healthy. The end result is you live longer. Now, in order to rejoice, there are certain things you've got to remove from your body. You've got to remove them from your heart. You've got to remove them from your life. In other words, there are certain things that will damn our souls. I think now about Paul's statement in the 6th chapter of Galatians. In verses 7 and 8 he said, Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And so we're either sowing to the flesh, we're sowing to the Spirit. And if you're sowing to the, to the flesh, and living according to the flesh and your carnal desires and your lust and your passions, then there are some things you need to get out of your life. You need to remove them. And that requires repentance. We, we may think that we can violate God's law and not pay a penalty. Anytime you violate one of God's laws, either His spiritual laws or His natural laws, you're going to pay a price for it. Suppose I decided that I was going to violate God's law of gravity. And suppose I travel to, uh, to the Empire State Building and I decide that I'm going to jump off of it just to show that you can violate God's law of gravity and live to tell about it. Well, if I were to try that and when they put me in a body bag down at the bottom of, the, of that building, you can say there lies a foolish man, a man who thought he could violate the law of God but he, but he paid a price for it. And we cannot violate God's spiritual laws without pray, paying a price for it. So the Bible says not to rejoice. You've got to be in the position where joy can be found. But he says you must remove from your life anything that would destroy the joy in your life. Do you have some joy killers in your life? Remove them. 
Now the third thing he says, and this is in the first verse of chapter 12, Remember now the Creator. And this is where we get the title of our lesson today, Remembering God. Remembering God. We're to remember God. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, have no pleasure in them. Remember God. You know, there, there are some things that are implied when, he, when the writer says, remember God. Now, now think with me. Think with, think with me logically here. Does not that imply that there is a God to remember? When he says, remember God, and indeed there is a God to remember. He's a God in whom we live, in whom we move, in whom we have our very being. He's the God who in the very beginning of time created the heavens and the earth. We have a God in heaven. Psalms 95 and 6 says, Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. When he says, Remember God, that suggests there's a God to be remembered. And then it also implies or suggests that God can be forgotten. That He can be forgotten. Unfortunately, many people forget God. Psalms 10 and 4 talks about those who have no thought of God, absolutely no thought about God. Think about our world today. Think, think about what's going on all over our world today. There, there are so many people who have no thought about God in their mind. They're not even thinking about God. And it implies that many people don't think about God. They don't remember God. There's an interesting text in Jeremiah 2.32. Can a maid forget her ornaments or bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. Now, if it were not so serious, it would almost be a note of levity in that passage, but it's too serious to think about something being light or, 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 or funny. He said, can a maid forget her ornaments or bride her attire? Here's a young woman who's going to get married. And her parents have gone all out in preparation for this wedding day. And they spent lots of lots of money on this wedding. And they, their flowers galore, all beautiful. The, the building where she's getting married is, is decorated so beautifully. And then she gets to the, to the building and Someone says, are, are you ready to get dressed? She says, dressed? Do you all know I forgot to buy a wedding dress? And somebody said, no, Brother Lambert, you know that's not ever going to happen. I said, I know that because as soon as some young man says, will you marry me? The very next day, that young woman likely going to have her mother out shopping for a wedding dress. He said, can a maid forget her ornaments? Is a maid going to forget to, to put on her rings and on her earrings and her necklaces and, and all those kinds of ornaments? No. 
any of you ladies ever leave to go somewhere and you forget to put on your earrings or you get to put on your rings on your hand? What did you do? Some of you probably turned around and went back home to get all of those things on. You see, a, a, a maid is not going to forget her ornaments. A bride is not going to forget her wedding dress. And yet Jeremiah said, and this is God speaking, my people, God's people, have forgotten Him days without number. God can be forgotten. But another thing that is implied here is that you can remember God. And indeed, we ought to be remembering God and thinking about God. And in the day in which we live, a lot of people try to push the idea of God out of their minds. But there's going to be a dead reckoning and they're going to realize what a mistake they made in trying to eliminate God from their lives. Can, can I be just a little bit personal? Are you thinking about God today? I, I'm speaking to maybe some young person that, 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 that you're, you're not really thinking about God, are you? Maybe I'm speaking to some father and, and he's a good man and he loves his family, but are you thinking about God right now? Are you really thinking about Him? And maybe here's a mother. She has to work in order to, that the family live. They, they, the, she and her husband both work in order to provide for their family. And I respect those who are willing to do that. But in all of the hustle and bustle of life, it is so easy to forget about God. But may I urge you to remember God. Remember God now. If you're a young person, the Bible says to remember God in the days of your youth. But you say, Brother Lambert, why should anyone, why should anyone remember about God? It's because God is worthy of being remembered. Well, what is there about God that suggests His worthiness to be remembered? First of all, God made us all. Remember now thy what? Creator. Thy Creator. Out of gratitude for God making us and creating us and, and giving us a, a home in which to live on this earth should cause our hearts to be filled with such gratitude that we make up our minds that we will never, ever, ever forget about God, remember God. And, and we need to remember Him now. We need to be thinking about God. We, our thoughts ought to be focused on God, focused on His Word. And then we need to acknowledge God's goodness. Do you, realize, do you realize how good the Lord's been to us all? And uh, Paul in 2 Corinthians 9, 15 said, Thanks be to God for His unspeakable gift. One translation says His indescribable gift. The gift of God is indescribable. There is no way to describe the gift of Jesus for the sins of of humanity and we remember God when we obey Him.
When we do His will, when we surrender to Him, that's how you remember God. And you remember God how long? You remember Him for as long as you live. You remember God when you believe in His Son with all your heart. You remember God when you're willing to repent of your sins. You remember God when you're willing to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of whom? The Son of God. Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, flesh and bloods, not revealed that to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And you remember God when as a penitent, confessing believer, you put Christ on in the waters of baptism. But you remember God. Once you've been baptized into Christ, that you are dedicated to Him, you serve Him every day of your life. You want to make your home life better. Remember God.